Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Sherelle McMillan, Texas A&M, 86-65 over Carolina. Ends the season for North Carolina. More importantly, ends the careers of Theo Pinson, Joel Berry, and Sherelle, let's just call it like it is. It was a complete butt-kicking by A&M. The Tar Heels had no answer, no response for anything the Aggies were able to do. Yeah, and usually during the tournament, something fluky happens or some guy just catches fire and goes 8 of 16 from 3. Harold also know has the game of his life. Brendan Haywood isn't able to do anything. You know, crazy kind of stuff is usually what happens when North Carolina loses a you know, a 27-foot shot to win the national championship, that kind of thing. But this wasn't that. They just got beat. I mean, it, and it happens. It, this was uh, what we saw in the Michigan State game. It was a big physical team limiting Joel Berry with a lot of size on the outside. Carolina's bigs just weren't quite ready this year, and, they, you know, Texas A&M took advantage. I mean, um, and once they started getting the ball inside with Davis um, and then with Robert Williams as well, uh, that opened things up on the outside and they started getting wide open threes. So every uh, issue that North Carolina had manifested throughout the season um, kind of came out in this game, their inability, um, their, or I guess should say their, their lack of experience size, their inability to close out on shooters. And then when they help off in, in the post, leaving shooters wide open and then offensively, you know, you don't expect them to shoot six of 31, but if that was how this team it, the blueprint for this game was kind of how you expected this team to lose if it was going to lose this season, which is missing a whole bunch of threes and another team uh, getting momentum, playing on the inside and going downhill. And once, you know, Texas A&M kind of got up a little bit, they got confidence and they just kept it going from there. So it's, I, don't, I know people are going to say, you know, what happened at this point in the game or that point in the game. But in my opinion, it was just a thorough beating that North Carolina took. And part of that is just because Texas A&M was not a good matchup for them. And it's cliche, and we say it over and over and over again. But it really is about matchups when you get in the tournament. And North Carolina caught a bad matchup. They didn't shoot well, and that's that. Yeah, I watched a little bit of Texas A&M in Providence. Second half, especially in Texas A&M, started playing much better. And it sort of caught my eye. Because um, when they're engaged, and we talked a little bit about this off the air, when they're engaged, they're difficult to deal with. I mean, rare do teams have the size and athletic ability that those guys had. And Williams and Davis just could get anything they want. And that's what makes it so difficult to come back when you get behind. Uh, Carolina's up 20 to 13, and then I believe it was 19 to 2 run or something. They end the half on 29 to 8 or something crazy and you say well you know Carolina's been behind before they can come back but it's a problem coming back against a team that can get whatever they want inside and, yeah, and, and that and, that ultimately I think was the undoing of Carolina and, and then defensively you know they're so tall and long don't forget DJ Hogue is 6'9 um, another guy that Carolina recruited a little bit and can shoot um, they're so tall that North Carolina has not been a great finishing team the entire season Theo Pinson has had some some really good finishes and Joel Berry started doing better as of late, but it's something in the entirety of the season they struggled with and that length and that size and UNC's 
relative lack of athleticism kind of showed up. It was going into it. I thought Texas A&M was basically a, a worse version of Duke or a worse shooting version of Duke. But what they were able to do was take advantage of the, uh, the, you know, what they have on the inside, get their guys the ball in good positions. And you have the two big guys. They went unofficially 10 of 12 from the field, 26 points and 22 rebounds. And, you know, that's with them really kind of dogging it the last 10 minutes or so of the game. So that shows you how dominant those two guys were on the inside. And it, I mean, I, I don't mean to sound like we knew this was coming because no one saw North Carolina losing by 21. I still thought they were going to win the game. Uh, but the matchups presented really showed the deficiencies of this year's team. Let's talk a little bit about the beginning. I mean, I thought, and I listened to the first half on the way home from a soccer game in Wilmington that my son played when they were ahead early and they quit doing what got them there and they ended up losing. Um, but Carolina, I just felt like they were settling way too much. I mean, I think one for 10 or something, two for 12 from three early. Uh, and then they get in a situation where they have to shoot them. You know, we can talk about it and say the same things over and over, but I felt like if it was going to end for this North Carolina team in a loss, it was going to end, like you said, just like a game like this where the shots aren't falling. Um, and it's difficult to watch, especially for guys like Barry and Pinson and the rest of them. Uh, you know, Pinson, 11 assists, seven rebounds, four points. He never got that triple-double that you thought he'd get this year. Came close uh, Friday night, had the assist th- today. I mean, you just your take on his performance and Barry's performance in their last game. Yeah, um, it, it was um, it was a tough one for Joel Barry. He, his numbers ended up kind of rounding out to what you would expect from Joel Barry, which is, you know, seven of seventeen from the field, two of ten uh, from the three point line, twenty one points. It's it's a Joel Barry stat line. Um, it just for him, I, I think he's probably frustrated because. It, it, of all the games to struggle, um, it was this one, and it was in Charlotte, and it was so close to really what I think you could call – this season was successful for North Carolina, but I think you kind of put the nail into the successful season by making the Sweet 16. So I think he, he felt like he was really, really close to getting there, and, um, you know, it's just – it's unfortunate. That's the really the only thing you can say. Um, but, again, you have to give credit to the other team because they hounded UNC – they, uh, you know, really never let them get into a groove. Carolina did get open shots, but I think some of those open shots came after the length had started bothering them. And once uh, Texas A&M went on that run, you know, everything starts to get a little tighter, a little harder, a little um, a little faster. So you shoot maybe just a little bit faster and you get to your spot just a little bit faster. And once you start throwing rhythm off and then you add on to that, the pressure of knowing that you're getting down further and further and further from uh, from up seven to down 14 to down 22, everything becomes magnified and everything becomes tougher. And I think, you know, the pressure just got to Carolina after they got down by 20 um, and tried to make the comeback. It was just those first four minutes, they always talk about how important those are. Well, they stretched the lead out. I think at the under 12 timeout, they had stretched it from 14 to either 20 or 21, and the game was uh, essentially over. Let's kind of look ahead just a little bit, and we'll do a full season wrap later in the week at some point. But uh, Carolina, you know, you go forward and it's early, and I'm like catching you in the hallway like they do on CBS after a tough loss. Mm-hmm. So I, I freely admit it's a tough question, but Pinson gone, Barry gone, uh, Cam Johnson, you know, we'll say iffy for now. Uh, but 
this becomes a team, a North Carolina team, with as many question marks going into the offseason as they've had in quite some time, I think, at least since 11, or, or excuse me, since 13 um, or 10 or 6. Your thoughts just in general about that? Yeah, and one of the good things about it is that they have most of the answers, potential answers to those questions on the roster already. So if you say, um, how is North Carolina going to get better inside? Well, it's Garrison Brooks, Sterling Manley, and Brandon Huffman getting better, you know, throughout the season, gaining weight, uh, throughout the offseason, excuse me, gaining weight, working on the games, that kind of thing. You say, well, who's going to take over as the go-to scorer? Well, you have Luke May there. Um, Kenny Williams can continue to get better. So, you know, there's a possible answer. It's just they have to continue to elevate their play. And then uh, pending whatever Cam Johnson decides to do, then you have kind of the the moldings of a solid team who's got players who have been there, done that, and have been through the ACC and are, you know, fairly good, who um, I think would you would take them over a lot of people's roster. Let's just say that. I think the biggest question mark, and it's something we'll talk about all offseason, is the point guard position. So with Jalik Felton having been susp- suspended and subsequently withdrawing from UNC, um, that kind of leaves a hole at the point guard spot because Seventh Woods, um, he's been injured. He, he'll, he'll have a chance, um, but he hasn't played great when he's been in the game. We can't sugarcoat that. He hasn't played well at all. Um, whether or not that's injuries, we'll see. So you've got Seventh Woods. Uh, Kobe White's coming in. Um, he can play some point guard. And I think Roy Williams is 100% committed to him. Um, uh, you know, possibly playing point guard. He thinks he can do it, but he's still a freshman. And as we talked about before, there aren't any saviors for North Carolina basketball. That's just not the way it works. They're not going to come in and average 25 and 10 or, you know, something completely ridiculous. There will be pieces. They will struggle. They'll have good games. They'll have bad games. Um, so it's hard to see how North Carolina um, gets much, uh, I guess you could say, better than the season when they lose uh, two guys like Pinson and Barry who have had tremendous careers but they have the potential to just because so many players on the roster have room for growth good stuff there to be interesting to see how it shapes and turns and ends up because as you know and as we all know october rolls around in a hurry these parts and uh at any rate not much left to talk about sure i appreciate you joining me and doing a tough show eighty six sixty five, texas a&m over north carolina Sure, I don't know about you, but my bracket was flamed out after the first round. If anybody has a, a bracket left worth looking at, um, I'd like to see it. But, man, appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no problem. I I haven't looked at mine in a while, and I probably won't for a while. Uh, but, you know, I, I think people, before we go, I just think people do need to realize that this was a really good season for North Carolina. They won 26 games. Uh, they still uh, played extremely well for parts of the season. They had some struggles. They had limitations that eventually were too much to overcome. But as far as a post-championship season, you know, I don't think it gets much better than what they accomplished this year. Absolutely there. Heel season's done. Freeze up the weekends, unless you're in the college basketball and watching other teams. But Shrell, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Wrap the season in full sometime later in the week. Thanks, ma'am. All right. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.